Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 102. We'd like to share our Sunday worship service for January 27th, 2019. The title is, It's Like a Map, and it is the fourth in the series, It's Like This. Success is not determined by strength, will, or influence. Life is a matter of the heart. If you just do a thing, but you've got, I don't know, hate and fear and grudges and whatever in your heart, you're not going to get where you want to go. So, incomplete, right? On the other hand, there are those people who say, it doesn't matter what you do, you can do any old thing, as long as you've got a good feeling about it. <laughs> we well, can feel good about some weird stuff, right? <laughs> don't get me started. We've all been teenagers. But there's a thing where that's not it either. It's beautiful to have that feeling of love in your heart, but if you really feel love, you can't help it. You move. You do. You you have something happen. So, once again, which is it? Is it faith or is it works? In that statement, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, Jesus answers the question this way. He says, both and. The hallmark of the Jesus Christ message is that it's not two-dimensional. Rather, it has a perspective that takes into the third dimension. The word, here's a fancy 50-cent word, the word is orthogonal. It means at right angles. Jesus is the one who looks at the whole thing from a perspective, spiritual perspective, and says, it's the whole thing, guys. It is what you do, but what you do needs to be fueled by something about who you are. Have so much faith and love in your heart, even if you don't know how it all works, you don't need to. Just feel something that's so intense that you engage with it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say there's no yoke. He didn't say there's no burden. He didn't say hold still. He said you got to do stuff. But you don't have to hurt yourself doing it. That's the balance. The both and orthogonal three-dimensional moment of it's the whole deal. Do with it, as we say around here. That's important too because, gosh, so many people have this idea of spiritual mastery as something that involves holding very still. I'm a guru, I don't have to move a muscle. And when you think about it, it's actually something that's percolated down into all kinds of success. For some people, spiritual success means sitting still, and for some people, financial success means I get to sit by the pool or I get to sit behind a desk and tell people what to do. For so, for so many people, success is equated with stagnation, but the truth is the only thing in real life that is equated with stagnation is death. You don't want that. Overrated. Life is about moving. It's so funny that so many times people have this vision of, I'm going to make this pilgrimage, I'm going to go to this place, and I'm going to climb all these steps and and pass some kind of weird test and pay a lot of money and and go to the thing, go to the, the pilgrimage. You know what? It's great to be on a pilgrimage as long as you come home and make something different back home. So many times the idea is I'm going to go visit this master who never moves a muscle and usually it's behind a wall. Ever notice that? What kind of neighborhood is this guru living in when it's a gated community? I won't even talk about that. But I go and I pay the money, which is the modern equivalent of an ordeal. I pay the money, I put on the outfit, I, I, I do all the secret handshake stuff and someone pretends to heal me and in exchange I pretend to be healed. That's why if you're the kind of pilgrimage person, there's always another pilgrimage. It's okay to be on one, but i got to tell you, so many times when you hear the pilgrimage story, the healing isn't because you got to sit in the, at the foot of someone who's holding still. The healing happened because of your journey. The healing is in the process of you changing 
That's where the magic happens. Just like life. But you know that. You know that success, spiritual or otherwise, has nothing to do with holding still because anytime you have felt something important, like love, like a spiritual moment where you just remember, wait a minute, God is here. I know it. I don't know what it means, but man, oh man. When you've been inspired by beauty and truth and justice and honor, when you see something on the news that's good for a change and you want to cry because it's beautiful, whatever it is. The moment of falling in love, whatever it is. When you experience something important, you can't hold still with it. So you know that success isn't about holding still. And you know that because of what you feel on the inside, but you know that also because you know what it is to be a child. Kids, spoiler alert, move. <laughs> you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? It's pregnant. They don't hold still. The New York Stock Exchange has got nothing on what goes on at the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. There is activity and motion and work and energy and stuff, just life. Whatever the kid is screaming, it's really the word life. That's how it's supposed to be. Kids know how to work, man. But it's never hard. It's never toil. This is important. One of the things that I want you to take home with you from today is that there is a profound difference between work and toil. Life is supposed to be continuous work, but it never has to be toil. Kids are working nonstop. Play is intense, but the play isn't hard. It's just motion. Because when a child is playing, they're playing from a place of love, a place of delight, a place of imagination, a place of perspective. And that energy fuels the activity. That's how this works. Be as a little child. What do you know? You have to decide what you want to identify with. Identify with something that's going on on the inside and get moving. That's the formula for a good life. And that's important. And that's actually a little bit different because for a lot of people in the Christian end of things, the idea is the yoke is easy and the burden is light, not because life is supposed to be easy. In fact, life is terrible and it's hard. And look at those people over there. Look at that stuff. And if you follow me, you get to finally just get away as fast as you can. And that message, you've heard that message before. For that kind of teaching, the idea is the only reason that the yoke is easy and the burden is light is because Jesus did everything for you, and all you have to do is hold still. Now, if you kind of squint at that message, it sounds a little bit like a late-night infomercial. You don't have to do anything in five easy payments. You can take a fishing pole with you everywhere you go. Order before midnight tomorrow. It sounds like that. And there's a reason there's so many of those infomercials, and there's a reason they're on late at night, because you have to be weak to buy them. Because you know better when you're wide awake. Hmm, you know better when you're wide awake. The thing is, that's not Jesus' message. Over and over again, Jesus didn't say, just wait, just hang on. If you wait long enough, and hopefully if you can be miserable enough, you get your walking papers. It doesn't work that way. When you think about it, everything that Jesus said was go and do a thing. When there was a healing, he would say, your faith did it for you, now go and sin no more. Go and teach somebody. Go and change the world. Go and be this. Go, 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 go. Just do a thing. You got it now. Go. The whole ministry of Jesus Christ was ready. Go. Over and over and over again. It doesn't make sense that the message would just be wait for something. Gosh. So much spiritual frustration is because you're waiting for something that's already here. So much of it. So many times when, when people ask me to pray with them, 
the thing that I want to say is it's like you're waiting for a cab that you're already in. When are you going to get here? And you're here. The cab just wants to know where you want to go. And so maybe we need to change the question from when to where. And something profound happens when we realize the old story of you've been there the whole time. Just do something different. See something different. As always, it's a matter of perspective. And the old version of hold still, which is great if you want to control people, not so great if you want to change the world. The old version was just don't do anything, don't ask any questions. The modern version isn't much better. The modern version actually takes faith out of the equation too. The modern version is you don't have to do anything and you don't even have to believe anything. All you have to do is buy this stuff. If you have the right medallions, crystals, outfit, if you have the right tape in your car, like a CD nowadays or something, if you have the right faith, if you buy the right spiritual equipment, you don't even have to believe it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to believe it. You just have to buy it. Or the one that we've all been aware of is the idea that it's not about the stuff you buy, but it's just about the rules. If you just memorize all the rules, if you know that, that there's four levels and eight directions and nine things and you're vibrating at this degree and you've got to look at these directions when you pray and it's just an overwhelming amount of rules. And if you can just follow all the rules, you don't even have to know how it works, but you're going to be okay. That's not different than buying your way into enlightenment and it works just as well. The Ron Popeil method of spirituality plays itself out that way too. But the, the thing that's crazy about the, the it's just a bunch of rules is the people who want to give you a lot of rules will at the same time they're just lathering on complexity. Those are the same people who go, this is so easy a child could understand it. You can figure out just walking down the street that you're a four-dimensional being vibrating at 800 megahertz with all of these you know zodiac things going on. It's like, no, it, it's not simple. And it's not how it works. It's not so easy a child could do it because the child in that emperor's new clothes story is the one who says, none of this makes sense. Life is not hard as far as complexity goes. Life is not complicated. Jesus said, just love each other. Around here, we say, look, God is good. You're good. Go do good. If you're doing that to the best of your ability, you're going to be all right. The details will work themselves out through you if you stay nimble and you stay open. You don't got to memorize anything. It's not 40 steps. It's not five easy payments. Just show up for your life, right? That's the deal. It's not complicated. You know the story of the Garden of Eden. We talk about it from time to time. It comes up. You know the story. The basic idea has to do with you being born, represented as generic humanity by Adam and Eve, you being born in a place of oneness where it works. Adam and Eve are working. Remember, they're there to tend the garden. They got stuff to do. At no point did God say, everybody holds still. They got stuff to do all the time, but it's never hard. Yoke is easy, burden is light. And that is the state in which you are created too. But it works out very well, very easily, simply, but there's always work to do. But because of the power that we have as children of God, in the story, Adam and Eve decided, you know what, let's uh, shake things up a little bit. Let's add some stuff to the mix. Let's add some complexity. I don't know. See what happens if you add some ego in there. See what happens if you add a little bit of Mrs. Dash of fear and shame and whatever else. You know the story. Well, it's very simple. What happens, God says, you can't live in a simple place when you're adding all this complexity. You can't live in a place of oneness when you've got duality in your heart. You can't be here. 
not a punishment, it's an implication. This is what happens when you do this. 2 plus 2 equals 4. Potentiality plus ego equals you can't live in oneness. It's just an implication. Nobody's getting punished. But there's that great moment, that parting gift speech, you know, the one where God says, look, because you have chosen to do this the weird way, here's what's going to happen for you. He says, look, it's going to be hard. Instead of just having it be easy, it's going to be about the strength of your back and the sweat of your brow. You're not going to be equals with your partner. There's going to be some struggle there. It's going to be, there's stuff, there's anger, there's violence, there's all the kind of stuff that are all implications of what happens when you choose to live from a place of ego and fear instead of from knowing who you are. The parting gift speech. Now, it's important to remember that the attitude of that speech is God saying, look, this is, you're going to be okay. You can do it because you're strong. But you don't have to be strong if you just do it right. So we'll keep the light on for you. This is God as combo dead. We'll keep the light on for you. It's here for you. Someday you'll figure this out. Now, this is the moment, guys. This is the big deal. Because there are so many people who go, well, it says in the Bible that we're supposed to have things be hard. It says in the Bible we're not supposed to get along. It says in the Bible we're not supposed to, to have the other people be equal. But wait a minute. Those are the backup instructions. That's what happens when you're not doing it the right way. That's God saying, it's going to be okay, but harder. You know what it's like? You ever get a flat tire and you've got to put that silly donut on your car? Mm -hmm. You know the one? And it says, don't drive very fast. It says, watch yourself. You're not supposed to live with that thing on the car. You ever seen somebody driving around with it? Like just going to the store? What's wrong with you? A disaster is imminent. And yet there are people who are driving on the donut metaphysically all the time, who are just getting better and better at living with duality and hate and fear, with the backup instructions, instead of just trying to get home. That's what it says on the donut, get home quick, change this tire. Instead, people are just living it. And in fact, people are really good at getting good at it. And just inventing better and better technologies to drive on the donut for longer. They'd invent softer roads if they could. You know exactly what I mean. And I don't know about you, but I've done my fair share of trying to live around the donut. Don't get me started. You know what I mean. One of the greatest strengths and challenges of being a human being is that we're very adaptable. Other kinds of animals, when there's a change in environment, it takes generations upon generations to evolve, let's say, a longer beak or stronger wings or camouflage or whatever it is. For us humans, we can figure out in a couple of days. We'll build something, we'll invent something, we'll decide to adapt around whatever it is. But the downside of that is that we are capable of adapting to some real dysfunctional stuff and just deciding that that's how life is. No. This is how we have decided to make life. And the choice remains our choice to do it differently. One of the things I want you to do as you go about your week is decide, you know what, am I adapting to some stuff that's really uncomfortable? Just because I can? Because I'm strong? Yeah, you're strong. You're amazing. But let's use that strength in a different way. Let's start looking in a different place. Because you see, everything changes when we change what we want. What is it that you want? If the wish came true, if you won the lottery ticket, if you rubbed the genie's lamp, if it came true, what would you want? Do you want just more and better of what you already have? I got a car, I want a bigger car. I got hair, I want more hair. Whatever it is. Hey, you know what I mean? It's okay to want those things, but at the end of the day, if I just want more of what I'm already comfortable with, I'm coming from ego. I'm not coming from a higher perspective. 
You know that Henry Ford quote. He says, look, if I had to ask people what they wanted, you know Henry Ford, the car guy? Ford. <laughs> if I had to ask people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. It's not about more and better of what you already understand. It's about thinking outside the box. It's about having that orthogonal perspective. It's about seeing things from a different place. Innovation, miracles, true love happen when we stop trying to expect more of what we're comfortable with and we step outside of our comfort zone because that's where God lives. That's how it works. So much of our life is like a map. You know, when you think about it, it's... It's one of those things. It's the stories we tell. I mean, think about from The Hobbit to Mad Max. It's a, it's a, it's a story you could, you could chart on a map. It's kind of the way that we think. And you think of the story of the children of Israel. It's that same kind of journey. It's almost like something out of a novel. Yeah, it's true. Jesus traveled around too. But pay attention to the difference in perspective. In, in Exodus, the emphasis on making this journey, getting home, in the New Testament, the emphasis is not on where you're going, but rather everywhere he went. He said, be here. See the difference? It's a matter of perspective. I think it's interesting to think about the fact that when I was a kid, I would just disappear on my bike all day long. And as a result, I kind of created a map in my head of my neighborhood. And over here, there's a girl with a crush on me. Stay away from that. Girls are icky. And over here, there's a mean dog. And over here, there's a cool kid whose family gives out candy. And you know what I mean? You build the map. I don't know about you, but I did a lot of that. And I lived by the map, and the map sort of colored the way I think about my whole life. Life is like a map for me sometimes. I'm not here to argue about whether it's good or bad that our culture has changed to the point where we hardly ever let our kids just go. It could be good or bad. I'm not sure yet. But it is interesting to observe that we are changing the way that our brains work. Maybe that's okay. Because the thing about a map is it only gets me to a place that I'm expecting and if you pick up any self-help book, it's just another map. The guy at the beginning, and it's almost always a guy, and there's almost always a part of the beginning that says, I'm the CEO of so on and so forth, and I made this amount of money, and you can too, right? That's every self-help book. Swatch out, uh, swap out money for, for love or whatever kind of success, and it's the same story. Do the thing I did. It's a map, but it's a map to a destination that somebody else has already been to. And that means it's boring. <laughs> And it means it's not going to get you anywhere except back to the self-help department to buy another one once you finish that one. You're not here to go to somebody else's destination. You're here to go somewhere new. Everything changes when you change what you want. I used to really worry about my kids because they've got GPS. Isn't that weird? I mean, when we first went on our road trips as a little family, you go to the gas station, you get a map, maybe if we had a couple of bucks, everyone else would go to AAA, get a trip take magic technology. But I mean, you get the map. And now, when, when my kids go anywhere, the gas station, put it in my phone. And I used to really worry about that. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're not learning how to get anywhere. And it's so weird. Nobody knows how to, to do that. Nobody knows how to make maps. Now I'm thinking about it. And yeah, you know what, there's something to be said for not relying on technology all the time. There's something to be said for turning off the targeting computer now and again. But on the other hand, there's also something to be said for not determining where you go, but rather being the kind of person that says, look, show me. Wait a minute. That's a spiritual virtue. I have faith that I will be shown if I just show up and ask. Pros and cons, right? What kind of person 
Do you want to gain? Sometimes the, the, the matter of life is not a matter of waiting for God because God's here, but a matter of waiting on God, saying, what can I get you? Maybe the prayer isn't, God, will you give me more of what I want? But rather, what can I do for you, God? How can I show up for my life? What can I do for you? What can you do through me? I'm open. I got this. You say I need to make a left turn in 200 feet? Cool, I'll do it. That's a prayer. How about we stop praying for what we want and we start praying knowing that God's got a better idea? Your kids know that. You ever have to entertain a child at a restaurant? Whether you're a parent or a friend of the family, an uncle, <clears throat> whatever it is, you go to the restaurant and they give you the placemat and some weird crayons that are secretly just candles because they don't work very well. And you go, you, uh, there's a connected, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go there and there's a connected dots and there's a hidden picture puzzle and there's a whatever. And there's almost always a maze. And you try to do a maze with the little kid. That is something they should give you a medal for. Because you see where to go. You know exactly what the kid's got to do. And you see the dead end, you know you're going to go to the dead end. What are you doing? You watch it like you're watching a football game or something. And there's that moment where you might go, just, it's right here. And in fact, you don't just draw a straight line. The appetizer's here. Let's just have a cheese stick and forget about this. You have those moments. And that is applicable to so many things because there are people in your life and you watch them and they've just got to go through the maze and you see where the dead end is. You know what they're headed for. And you go, no, no, don't. Oh, why did you have to do that? But they have to. And you know what? For every person you see that way, there's somebody that sees you that way. So the question becomes not how do I deal with those people? How do I get them to see it my way? But rather, here's the thing, guys. How does God see this? If you're feeling stuck in your life, if you're feeling frustrated, if you don't know what to do, ask yourself that question. How does God see this? Because it's not about my perspective. It's about what would it look like from God's perspective. And try your best to see things from that level. And try your best to see your life from that level. There are things that can give you that perspective. Prayer works wonders. Showing up at church doesn't hurt. Do the things you need to do to find a spiritual perspective on your life. And things will open up for you. That's what it takes. You can get good at running the maze and getting better and faster at doing what everybody already expects of you. So what? And you know what? In the end, the maze always wins. What if it's about looking at things from a different place? But the truth is, you already know how to do that. Because every time you felt something important, like love, like inspiration, like truth and beauty, that is something trying to pull you up into a higher perspective. It's amazing that so often the hero story, the moment of revelation is on a mountaintop or at the top of a building because you can see the whole deal. Love is trying to pull you to that place where you can see from a higher place. There are so many people that when they have those feelings like love and mysterious things and emotions and beauty, they try to squish them down. It's like tilting at windmills. But if you just wait just a moment... And hang on to whatever it is. Just like Don Quixote, you'll be pulled up to the stars. Up to a place where you can see how your life is supposed to work. All you've got to do is hang on. Life is like a map. And just like the one at the mall, you are here. And here is a place where you can turn it all around. Here is a place where love can start for you. Here is a place of freedom. Because after all, freedom is a choice.
This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is There's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, There's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.